I said, we're going to hear the word this morning. You can be seated if you can. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I've had a wonderful time of being able to uh, take a couple of weeks and just kind of step back and and we really enjoyed uh, being here. Thank you. I want to say to you, thank you for everybody uh, who blessed me on uh, Father's Day and my birthday, which just happened to fall on the same day. Thank you for those of you that came out. For you that could not, I understand. If you didn't know it, we tried to get word, or they did to everybody, and then tried to pull it off on me. But I thank you and appreciate what you're what you've done, and I appreciate Pastor Ted stepping up. And then we just had had invited. Uh, Brother Tim Todd and Angie to come by and minister with us. And man, wasn't that powerful? Wasn't that, I mean, that was really a powerful word of God. And I want to encourage you to go back. And if you have not, I think it's on AFR. You can listen again. It will be replayed, I believe, either today or tomorrow on AFR. And I may be wrong about that. I know it was played. Um, the July 4th, and it may be on their website, I'm not sure, but I want to encourage you if you can to do that. And I, I just want to say that I, um, this past week, celebrating our uh, country's freedoms, the battles that we have fought and won, and even some that we've lost. The great One of the greatest things that we have today is the fact that uh, we have a, a, an independence uh, to be able to have a freedom to worship the loving Savior that we worship today. And I want you to know, I know that you've been enjoying it. I know that you've had a good time. Hopefully you've had all kinds of festivities, cookouts, watermelon, and fireworks. Come on, somebody. And, and all of those things only come down to the fact that, that somebody paid the price for the fact that we were able to celebrate. And I'm thankful for those people today. I said I'm thankful for those people today. Amen. I'm going to get into the Word here this morning, something that's been on my heart out of Second Chronicles 20. You could turn there in the Old Testament. We're not quite there. And, and, and if, they, if you'll go back to the other screen for just a moment until we get to that, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Because I want to share a little something with you that's personal to me. When I was a kid in East Tennessee, my daddy did just about everything from pastoring a church to anything else he had to do to make a living for my family. Some of you that have hard worked hard all your life, you know what I'm talking about. You've had to do whatever it took to take care of it. And when you got your family, I told my wife, uh, Bethany, and uh, this year we'll be married 31 years in just a month or two. And, and you know, I told her, if i got to pick up cans to make sure that you are fed, and then those kids came along, whatever i got to do, I'll do that. My dad was that way. He had that kind of drive and that kind of energy in him. And I remember during the summer months uh, uh, that he would uh, do wholesale and retail fireworks. He did that some different times of the season in Tennessee. And, and so any time during those times or before it or after it, you could go down. We had a basement in our house that was unfinished. It had a garage over here and just an area for a washroom. And it was just basically an unfinished uh, area. But you could go down there uh, many of the times and find pretty much a Chinese powder keg sitting on pallets. Dad would, when, I first, when he first started doing it, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world because we had neighborhood kids uh, that were close. We called neighborhood kids. You could walk to their house. They were close. They weren't stacked on each other, but you could walk to their house. And they knew that Dad did fireworks. So he would, he would give to me broke open bricks of firecrackers, jumping jacks, 
uh, bottle rockets and he'd let me put a quarter a pack on them and, and I'd distribute them to the neighborhood kids. I'm going somewhere with this. It's, it, it's going to tie in here in just a few minutes. But then when I got up a little bit older, he said, son, I want you to come and help me. I wasn't just loading fireworks up and helping him get them there. He said, I want you to come and help me work the fireworks stand. Now, that was, the, that was the, the, the grand poobah of all things, getting to work that fireworks stand at, you know, 14 years old or so. And, and so we'd go work that. Matter of fact, when Beth and I was married, uh, Dad was still doing that during the summer. One of the first times we went, he was still doing it. He had a couple of those stands. But anyway, I was working with him. And there's something that I want to share with you today that we're going to talk about when we talk about the battles not yours. And I could share with you about some firework battles uh, that went on in our neighborhood that went on. Some of you have been, you know, somebody uh, said this week on Facebook that they made it through the 4th of July and had all their fingers. And I was kind of thinking, you know what, uh, when I was a kid, I was thanking God that I made it through the 4th of July and still not only had my fingers but my teeth because if you ain't really, you ain't really redneck unless you've lit a, one in your mouth and then threw it. But Dad had everything from fireworks to jumping jacks to Roman candles, bottle rockets, 21-gun salutes, the big Mac Daddy, amen, that showered and flowered all over the sky at nighttime. He had them all. But whenever somebody was going to walk into that stand and I was working it, there was one question they were always going to ask about something that looked a little different or a little unusual or if they knew nothing or little about fireworks. And that question was this, what does this do. Some of you mamas get tired of hearing and ask the same question of your kids all the time. Will you let enough people walk through and ask you that same question over and over again? You'll get to the point in your life that you just really want to yell. It blows up. It does exactly what it was designed to do. Here's what I want to tell you. The truth of all of this is that after I become a young man, and, and grew into an adult, my kids will bear this out. They'd say, Daddy, let's get some fireworks. And I'd be like, no. No. And I'm going to tell you why. I didn't mind going maybe and watching some that did the big show and all of that other, but I had, had shot enough fireworks, seen enough fireworks, handled enough fireworks, knew that it cost pennies on the dollar to buy them, and they sell, it, you know, I'm telling kind of it's expensive to buy them, that I lost the enthusiasm and the energy and the passion to eat. I became so familiar with what I was uh, had experienced that I really just did not care whether I did it. Just stay with me just a minute. Be careful that when you are in the presence of God that you don't get so familiar you, you don't want, you're watching everybody else that's lifting their hands and you're hearing everybody else that's worshiping and you're watching them clap and you say, well, I've been in church longer than they've been alive and it's kind of lost, it's extraordinary to me. Can I tell you something? We need to pray for a fresh passion, a fresh energy, a new eyes. We need to pray for new ears and we need to ask the Spirit of the Lord not to let us lose the passion that we have 
have for the house of God and the presence of God that we need it so real and alive. We need our kids to know it. Come on, somebody. They've been so caught up with everything that goes on in the world, our kids and everything, that it's easy that they don't see that. I said something to someone the other day, and they talking about their children, and, and sometimes children get disinterested in church, and maybe you did that growing up, but it's so hard right now because we're competing in an iPad world sometimes with, with, a, with a book technology. But I want to tell you something. The greatest book that has ever been written is still the bestseller. It is the Bible. And we will have to make some adjustments. But I want to tell you something. You need to be doing it at home. and You need to be encouraging them at home. And when they're in here, they need to be hearing and listening to the Word of God. Because the word, the God's words promise that it would not go out and it would not return void. But that it would come on accomplish what it was sent to do. I believe that it won't fall on ground. Listen, that it's fallow, but it will fall on ground that is well uh, uh, done when they end up in children's church or in nursery or in youth that when they get over here they know how to worship they're full of the Holy Ghost they're full of the power of God let's don't just wait till we get them to a special service to get it all right with God let's get them right before they ever get here and then they'll worship God come on somebody Mm. I got to move on here if we get familiar with leadership familiar with what God's doing in church the extraordinary can end up being the ordinary. We don't need that. I want you to take your Bibles. I'm going to bring you some word this morning. I'm going to give you some simple things to share. I have been reading in 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Proverbs, and Psalms. That's part of my, my yearly reading. And this scriptures, when you read 1st, 2nd Kings, you'll find the Chronicles, it's actually the Chronicles uh, that re is the kind of a rerun of that. And so when you read it, you'll read and you'll read back again something in there. And this just really stood out to me. And I'm not going to read that whole chapter, but I am going to back up and we're going to touch on some of it out of Second Chronicles 20 today. And this is what these verses 15 through 17 said. He said, now this is a prophet that was speaking, Listen all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen King Jehoshaphat. He's speaking to the king who's now in power. You need to remember as we're reading this that wicked king Ahab, Jezebel's husband, was in power before Jehoshaphat. Everything that you read, and I don't have time to go through all of this, but everything that you read up to this point, it would say, and they did more wickedness or they were more wicked than any other king before them. And Ahab was at the top of the list. Jezebel, you've heard people talk about a Jezebel spirit. We won't get into all of that today, but I'm telling you they were very wicked. So when Jehoshaphat came in, the kingdoms were divided. It was the northern and the southern kingdom. Judah was the southern kingdom. Jehoshaphat was the king over the southern kingdom of Israel. This makes up the children of Israel who, were, who came out of Egypt, but the kingdoms are now divided. Hang with me for just a moment. He says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. There's a reason for this. For there is a mighty army, or by this mighty army, Look, for the battle is not yours. Somebody said the battle's not yours. But it's God. It is God's. Look at this. Tomorrow, march out against them. You're going to have to do this. You will find them coming up from the ascent of Zis at the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness of Jerel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Somebody say a position. 
Because there is a position, even when you're not having to fight, that you need to recognize is important in your life. And if you're not fighting a battle right now, I want you to hear what this pastor is about to tell you. You're in a good season. You better not forget to worship God in the good season because you'll learn how to worship Him in the bad. And if you're not in a battle now, listen to me, you're usually either in one, going through one, or coming out of it. Come on, somebody. Take your positions, then stand still. This is, this is the warfare type stuff. And watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Come on. Go out against them tomorrow. Look at this. It says it again. This is the prophet speaking to them. For the Lord is with you. Would you touch somebody and just touch them and say, the Lord's with you. Father God, we come to you today in your word, and we believe today that you're about to do something great and wonderful in this place. Lord, we already feel your presence. We recognize that you're here. We, we recognize that the Holy Spirit, the supernatural power of God is in this place. We ask you, Lord, to lead us. Let your word become alive inside of us. We know that it's alive. Let it be alive in us. Lord, let us hear your word as it speaks to our hearts today. Father, let these lips of clay be your vessel, Lord, that you can speak through. Lord, let nothing I say today be discouraging. Let it be encouraging because we believe today, Lord, that you are God who encourages. Father, we love you now. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I, I just need you to hear something because, you know, it's, a, it's crazy that when we're going through stuff, when we're fighting or facing our battles in life, that there are different types or schedules of battles that you're going to come up against. And I want to share with you a little bit about that. And some of you, it may be that what you're dealing with is an emotional roller coaster. Maybe one day you're up and the next day you're down. You're dealing with depression. Maybe you need a supernatural joy that only comes from the Lord again in your life. However, whatever you may be going through and however it is, I want you to understand that all of us at some time, form, shape, fashion in our life will deal with stuff that we don't always ask for. You'll have stuff that will come against you. Some of it, listen to this, you will, you will, you will go... You'll have to battle it because you really, in reality, brought it on yourself. We don't like to think about that, but there are times that we do things in our life that brings those battles. Uh, just a real quick one. If you run up a credit card and credit card debt and you can't pay that credit card back and you should have, could have, or would have, should have used cash to pay it off, that isn't God's fault. Come on, somebody. It isn't the debt counselor's fault. Come on, are you understanding what I'm saying? There are other times in your life that you come into battles that you had nothing to do with. It's kind of like going through the mall and somebody uh, vomits in the mall and you don't see it and you just, I know it's a gross analogy, but you got the picture, don't you? You didn't want to end up in that. It wasn't yours. <laughs> come on, somebody. Somebody should have cleaned that mess up, but you ended up 
in the middle of that. Can I tell you, there are times in your life that you're going to go through stuff that you didn't ask for. That you're going to go through stuff you didn't see. You're going to go through stuff that you weren't, you really would have, if you'd have had the choice in the matter and could have saw a little bit ahead, you would not. It'll sideswipe you like a freight train coming off a mountain. But I got good gospel news for you today that God is for you. That regardless of where you're at, what's going on in your life, whether you created it or you got sideswiped, He will never leave you nor forsake you, but walk with you all the days of your life. That is the God you serve. That is the promise He gave. You better walk it out and live it out. Come on, somebody tired of this old mess that we're just to survive through life that God never wants to bless me that God doesn't want something great for me I've made too much of a mess in my life can I tell you something God wants to take your mess and turn it around and bless you but until you let yourself realize that the God you're serving is for you and not against you you will only survive and you will never thrive but let me share with you this the God you love and care about it's not just a God he is your Abba Father and you can go to him and say Father I'm tired I'm weary I I need some rest in my life and he's promised to take you through the green pastures let you lay down come on somebody beside still waters wrap on the apron and feed you in the presence of your enemies you're serving a God that doesn't just want you to survive he wants you to thrive I said he wants you to thrive That's spiritually, that's physically, that's financially, that's emotionally. The enemy has done his best to keep and to destroy God's people. But one of the things you need to realize about your battles is not all of those battles does God intend for you to fight. Mm, Come on. I said not all of those battles do God intend for you to fight. A little background here on Israel. I've shared with you they're divided into two kingdoms. You have the northern and the southern. Ahab has been king. Jehoshaphat is in now. They've had more trouble, more stuff going on, more rebellion against God. But Judah now is under the reign of Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat. And he is not in rebellion. As a matter of fact, if you read your Bible, you'll find out that Judah, which means praise, is in a spiritual renewal, a time of spiritual renewal. He is, he, see, I believe that leadership has a lot to do with how we, how we walk to and, and how we follow and all of these other things that when we lead well, then other people tend to follow well. When Ahab was setting up all of these shrines and the Baal prophets were doing all of the stuff that they were doing and we don't have a lot of time to get into that, this thing was going down like a sinking ship. But because Jehoshaphat came in, stood up and said, we're not going to have that. We're going to stand and we're going to worship God. We're going to praise the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Listen to me. Because he did that, the, the, the nation or the southern part of the kingdom began to turn around. And because they began to turn around, hear what I'm about to tell you. They're, somebody say they're in revival. Y'all understand that a little bit better. We've been praying, Bethany and I have been praying most every day that we get up in the mornings for your families, for this community, for this city, for our 
our, our people that are in authority over us. We have prayers that we pray and we spend that time because we believe it's important. But one of the things we've been praying is God send revival. Listen to this. Not just in our church, not just in our community, but God started in us. And what I mean by that is personal revival is how corporate revival normally ends up coming. When somebody's willing to pay the price in prayer. You see, this isn't just going to happen. It's going to happen when people sacrifice in prayer and they decide, you know what? Praying, getting up a little early to pray before I go to work and getting before God and cleansing myself and my mind and my spirit and saying, God, I need revival in me. In other words, Lord, revive in me the things that have died. Spiritual renewal. A lot of times what God is trying to do is bring us out of that. When we start, listen to this, you start coming through spiritual renewal or revival, the enemy knows what's about to take place. Some of the greatest battles you'll ever come against is when you make up your mind you're going to serve God. From a baby Christian, you decide, I'm going to serve God. And you're on a high because you gave your heart to Jesus. Let me tell you something. It would be a lie to tell you that everything's going to be roses from here on out. You're going to deal with some stuff you'd never intended to deal with. Because the enemy knows that if he can distract you and discourage you, he can get you out. And that's exactly what he wants to do. He won't just do it to baby Christians. He'll do it to seasoned Christians. Because discouragement is one of the biggest things in his arsenal. He'll load more stuff up on you and you will begin to focus on that instead of the God who can deliver you. Oh, come on somebody. We start focusing on what's happening. Now hear this. The Bible says that when Jehoshaphat is in reign, they're in spiritual renewal, that there is this great army or a huge army that is marching their way. There are three of them, the Edomites, the Ammonites, and one other ites that was coming in, but they're on their way. Hear this. Here's what I want you to get out of this, that they don't even recognize or don't even realize that, and if, you're, if you have any kind of military experience, you know this. They're not being flanked from the right or the left. This devil's coming from the back. He's coming from the back. The only way they find out is the Bible says a messenger comes and says, Jehoshaphat, do you realize that this army, these three, have come against you? The bad thing of it is this, or what seems to be bad. If you read your Bible and do your history, you'll find out it's in this chapter that they had come against them and God stayed his hand on these three prior in Moses' day. There's a reason for it. I'll try to give you that before we get out of here. If I don't, I'll share it again in another time. There was a reason. You see, sometimes not everything that comes against us is the enemy or the devil. Sometimes things we deal with, and I'm not saying that God is putting that on you. I'm saying that you say, How, why? Well, one thing, people have a will, and they do what they desire to do. It wasn't a setup by God to destroy Israel. He had already promised to them that they would be victorious. He had already promised them that they would overcome. The problem that we have is realizing in faith that the God we're serving and believing in faith that he's able to do what he said even when the enemy's coming in to sideswap us or coming in from the back. There are days journey less than a day's journey away. They've been sent in so fast 
that they're not even able to prepare a battle plan. Are you with me? And in life sometimes, this can be represented by a phone call. You were not expecting that phone call that came and it knocked you for a loop. You were not expecting the text you got. Come on, somebody. And you really had to stand back and look at your phone and say, God, am I reading what I'm reading? Because this really has put me for a loop here. Are you with me? It can represent a doctor's report that a doctor has said. It can represent what a job, a manager, or a boss has told you. It's something that has come into your life that sends you spinning back to the firework. <laughs> I told you I got tired of them. We would always get the loose fireworks. In other words, all the loose stuff, Daddy would pretty much give that to me when the season was through and and so, in, or during that 4th of July season. And what I would do is we just throw them all in a box. You just get the biggest box you can and you throw all the loose stuff in there and he'd give you a few other little things to go along with it and you'd put them in the box. And we just reach and grab out of the box and we use these things. Some of you call them starters. Some of you call them punks. But it's a stick that when you're a kid, you played like you're smoking with it. I'm just preaching good here. I'm just, I'm just preaching. When you when you Pentecostal and you church going, they can't. They, you know they frowned on that. You smoked it, but you didn't inhale. Does that make sense to you? I'm just getting down where we're living at now. And brother, take we get those fireworks. We start pulling them out, and we do crazy things. You know, you're you're lighting a big old whistling uh, bottle rocket, and you hold it in your hand and watch it till it gets right to the paper, and then you throw it. I know none of y'all done that. And that's going on in this fireworks thing. And here's, I'm bringing this to a point here because I need you to get it, is that one person, a friend, always a friend, lights one, draws back with it, and loses it. Guess where it went? Right in the box. I got news for you. I didn't sign up for that. They wanted to shoot fireworks. I got involved in it because I had the fireworks. You Are you with me? But when the firework fell in the box, guess what? You're right. There was a lot of boom popping and banging and blowing up and sky flying. And, and we were running like cats that had no purpose. And hear what I'm about to tell you. I want you to understand something. When the enemy comes in, and you're not expecting him to come like he came. You, you, didn't, you didn't expect all the booming and the popping and the showering and the flowering. You, you thought that everything was good in the hood. Come on, somebody. But then all of a sudden, the enemy sideswipes you with something you did not expect. And what we tend to do as believers is scatter like a bunch of cats that have no direction and no purpose. But the Word of God declares to us there are some things that we need to do. But I didn't see it coming, Pastor. There are still some things. If you can keep focused long enough. Come on, somebody. If you can keep focused long enough. Jehoshaphat said, there's one thing for sure that we need to do. And the first thing of this whole deal that I need to give to you and for you to understand is, is that he said, we need to pray first. Come on. 
Most of us, that's not what we end up doing. Let me read to you verse 4 through 6 real quickly. So the people of all the towns of Judah, that's all the praisers. Come on, somebody. It means praise. Somebody say Judah. It means praise. Came to Jerusalem. Look at what it says. They seek the Lord's help or they sought the Lord's help. Verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah, look at this, and Jerusalem. Now we got southern and northern, look at this, in of the new courtyard at the temple. They're not just anywhere, but they're standing in front of Solomon's temple that is now built. Look at this, of the Lord, and verse 6, the beginning of it says this, he prayed. Jehoshaphat did not have time to gather up help. He didn't have time to run and grab a bucket to put out the fire. He did not have time to take care of the explosion that was about to go off. But the Bible says the one thing that he could do, the one thing that he knew to do, the first thing that he should do was call out on the name of the Lord. And the problem that we have is that the first line of defense that believers ought to have against the enemy's attack should be prayer. But many of us know that, but yet it's the last thing we end up doing. We'll call the lawyer, we'll call the banker, we'll call the preacher. Come on, somebody. But when do we ever call on the Lord? Matter of fact, we'll call on the lawyer, the banker, the preacher, and Facebook friends we've never met to give answers to things they don't know. I'm preaching better than somebody's helping me. I'm going to get up in the middle of a chair and walk the backs of them. You better hear what I'm telling you. The first thing you need to do is seek the Lord. God, I don't know where this came from. I don't know if I did it, I caused it, or I just slipped down in somebody else's mess. But I need an answer from you. And I'm going to pray until I get an answer. I'm going to pray. I'm going, Lord, if I got to get up every morning an hour before I go to work. God, if I got to get up an hour before the kids get up. God, I'm going to find out what's going on. But I know that I need to seek the Lord. Come on, somebody. I got to trust you. I got to believe you. Let me give you some backstory. Why not just run into this thing? Why not just take the people you got and go in and handle it? There is a story in chapter 18 that you need to read at some point. King Ahab's still in power. King Ahab gets the prophets of Baal to prophesy about something they were, they were about to attack and do. If you read it, you're going to find out this, that the prophet of Baal was lying to them. The Lord had already spoken and said, don't do it. If you do it, you're going to be destroyed. But the prophet of Baal, the prophets of Baal kept lying and saying, you're going, to, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You know what Jehoshaphat had learned? He learned that he almost had already lost his life one time when he didn't trust God first, when he listened to somebody else, when he hear, heard what they were going to say, all the lies. Can I tell you something? You've got to realize that battle did not even belong to Jehoshaphat. It was King Ahab's doing it was something that he had got himself into. And now that brings me to this point and for me to help you understand something. There are going to be battles that you face that don't even belong to you. There are going to be things that are going to come at your doorstep that you don't even need to get engaged in. Every time you face your battles, you, you would have hoped that you would lift your hands. You would have hoped that you would have sought the Lord. I thought I would. I thought I have. I thought I was a tent of hearing the voice of Jehovah. But I'm going to tell you, I can't say that every time 
time I've had a battle that I did that. There have been times I've rushed in too early, too quick, opened my mouth, inserted my foot before I heard from the Holy Ghost from heaven. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Only to realize that the battle that I was about to get involved in did not even belong to me. The question that you and I need to ask ourselves when we're engaged in these battles that sideswipe us is could this battle have been avoided? If the battle could be avoided, that's a good thing. If not, is this battle worth fighting? But you, third thing you've got to ask yourself is, is does this battle even belong to me? Is it mine to fight? Is it something all to be engaged into? I'm going to give you another story because you understand stories. I was a young pastor, not at this church. And I was doing something that, not that I should not have been doing. Just to give you the little story, I had a, I had a couple that called, and they are in the middle, newly married couple that are in the middle of a battle. I get called to their house. I'm young myself at the time, probably between 25 and maybe 28 years old only been married five to eight, six years, somewhere in that neighborhood. And so I go into this battle, or I go into a battle zone where the plates and the flatware have been flying. It was obvious because it was all on the floor. I learned a valuable lesson that day because I stepped in to intervene into a battle that I was called to that didn't even belong to me. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Pastor, why are you saying this to me? Because I learned a valuable lesson, not that the flatware and the plates were being flung and flying and busted everywhere, but listen to this. When they made up and they got over their tiff and their battle, guess who they turned against? You didn't miss that one. And I realized then that that wasn't my battle. I had nothing to do with what they were arguing over. I was only called in to intervene. But what I recognized and realized real quick was this. The lesson is this. Some people are going to have arguments. They're going to have disagreements. They're going to have a lot of stuff. But a lot of that ain't my doing. I don't have a dog in that fight. I ain't got a rabbit in that chase. And I don't need to exert my energy trying to fight somebody else's battle because there's one that's either coming. Come on, somebody. I'm in it or on its way out, that if I don't do my own battle, if I fight theirs, I'm not going to have the energy to take care of mine. How do, I, how do I know, Pastor? I'm giving these to you quickly. How do I know that I'm fighting my own, or I'm fighting someone else's or the wrong battle? I have children, three of them. I love them very much. All married, all self-sufficient, supportive for the most part of their own selves. You understand that if you're an adult parent who have grown children. Every now and again, they have their troubles, they have their issues, but I learned something. I learned something that with my kids, that I remember quotes that I've made. Now, Pastors Tegan and Cindy are going to really understand this. They have two smaller children. They are well-grown adult people, and, and as much as they love their children, they recognize, I hope they do, that they cannot control them. You ever heard somebody say that? Come on, I got Kelly sitting here. She got kids in the house. Could you not control your children? You, you thought that. Empty nesters sometimes even think that. 
the truth of it is, is, is this. You can't really control them. You can make suggestions. You can make them positive suggestions. You can even enforce the suggestions. You, you can even enforce, uh, uh, you know, attitude adjustments. Anybody understand that? Daddy used to say, I'll clean your clock. I'll clean your plow. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? You understand what I'm saying? Daddy would wait till he got in the car, and if you started fussing and acting up, come on, this ain't mine, but I heard it, and I know it's good because it happened to me. He'd wait where you... We were arguing. We'd sit back in that old station wagon where he couldn't reach us, and he'd tap the brakes to throw us in place so Mama could walk us. Anybody else understand that? I realize I can't control my children all the time. I can't control. Matter of fact, I was called yesterday about something here at the church totally out of my control. It wasn't you, it wasn't anybody from the church. It was somebody else who called me. And I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, th- I'm in the middle of finishing up these notes. And I thought, dear Jesus, this is definitely one of those things you're trying to show me right now. This is not my battle. So one of the ways that I know I'm trying to fight the wrong battle is if I'm trying to control others or situations that the battle does not belong to me. If I'm trying to control it, then it's probably not belonging to me. I realize that I can't control people. I can't control everything that comes my way or things that are said about me. However, I am in control of my tongue and my typing fingers. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and what, 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 which means this, I can get on social media, hear me, wear myself out posting things about things, trying to fix things that I can't control. And there's a verse that I have learned out of John 10 and 5. Most of us know this chapter. Maybe going to preach about it here pretty soon. But the chapter's talking about the good shepherd, Jesus. He's talking about the sheep know his voice. Anybody know that chapter that I'm talking about? Knows the voice. Knows the voice of the shepherd. But John 10 and 5 says he knows the voice of the shepherd so well, listen to this, that he does not listen to the voice of the stranger. God. Well, I'm going to tell you, if it's God, He's going to represent Himself and you will know that it is God. But if it's not good for your life, you may be listening to the shepherd. we got to learn to tune in and know the voice of the Lord because you can't control everything coming at you, the people in your life, or the things that go on. Here, secondly, look at this. Secondly, this is what Ahab did, or what Jehoshaphat did. He positioned himself according to God's promises. Leave that there for just a moment. He positioned himself according to God's promises. Let me, let me give you those verses. Verses 5 through 7. We're jumping back. Going to read and let me just unpack it a little bit. Jehoshaphat stands before the temple or the community of Judah and Jerusalem. He's in the front of the new courtyard, Solomon's temple. He prays, O Lord, our God, our ancestors, talking about Moses, those people that were ahead of him, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. Look at this. No one can stand against you. Do you know why he knew that? He knew that because he was referring back, Pastor Ted, to his ancestors. He knew he didn't have to go to Ancestry.com. 
It had been passed along through the history of those that were before him what God had done. I want to challenge you today. We come into these church services, God is moving. It's evident that God is moving. Don't you wait on some, don't, don't sit there and say, you know what, I heard Grandma talk about those services. I heard about the, the times when the Holy Ghost moved through the church. I heard about when so-and-so was healed, but I've never experienced that. So I'm going to stand back and I am going to spectate in that service. If I couldn't get out in an aisle way, I'd make me an aisle way. If I, if I needed to come to the front, I'd run to the front. Come on, somebody. Because I'm telling you, there are times in your life that you need to, listen to this, position yourself upon the promises of God. In other words, what you already know that God has done in the past, what makes you think He won't do it for you? When Jehoshaphat prays his prayer, he positions himself for a victory over his enemy. The problem that most of us have is we position ourselves to be overtaken by the enemy. I heard somebody say this. If you're a Bible scholar, you've got a Ph.D., THBD, you know the Bible backwards and forwards, and you need to correct me on this. I can take an email, take a phone call, take a text, meet with you if I need to. But hear what I'm telling you. I don't believe that the devil can read your mind. I said I don't believe that the devil can read your mind. He is not infinite. Come on, somebody. He is not all-knowing. The God that I serve, God Jehovah, is infinite. He is all-knowing. Hear what I'm about to tell you. Most of the time, the reason the devil attacks you the way that he does is because you told him what he needed to know. You let him know. You let him know how discouraged you were. You let him know how depressed you were. You let him know how overwhelmed you were. You let him know how much fear you were dealing with. My God, we need to rise up and say, God, I worship you today. And I know this battle that I'm dealing with, I did not ask for. I didn't sign up when I got saved. But I know, come on somebody, that no one can stand against you. Mountain, my God, is bigger than you are. Come on, somebody. Mountain that I'm facing, battle that I'm dealing with, God is bigger than you are. We'll stand there and look at that mountain and say, my heavens, that mountain is huge. Come on, my God is bigger than the mountain. He created it. Come on, somebody. Do you believe what I'm telling you? He created the mountains. I'm not saying the one that you're up against, but I'm telling you in the physical, when you look out and you see the mountains, you've got to believe that the God you serve is big enough to create that mountain. He's big enough to take care of your needs. Oh, come on, somebody. You're worried about paying your rent bill. Come on. And your water bill. My God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. Being faithful to him. Being faithful to him. Jehoshaphat stands before Judah in Jerusalem. He's at the temple. He's reminding them and himself. You, sometimes you've got to do that. Of the faithfulness of God. Why? Because he knew that God's track record was unflawed. He knew that the faithfulness of God was unflawed. Here's what I think we do. I think that we think somehow in our minds that if that God has not failed before, but somehow He's going to fail us. Pastor Tegan, I'm preaching myself as much as I'm preaching to the folk in here. Somehow we think that God has failed, uh, hasn't failed in the past, but somehow He's going to drop the ball on me. Can I just tell you something? God has a perfect track record. 
Come on, somebody. He's got a perfect track record. All the way back to in the beginning, God. Come on, somebody. Created the heavens and the earth. He put the universe and the stars where they are, strung them and named them one by one. He knows the Milky Ways. He knows it far beyond the rest. Come on, somebody. He's the one that took his hands and scooped out the oceans, took his finger, drew out the river, and somehow we believe that God's going to fail us. Somehow God's not going to come through. Can I tell you, my God is bigger than that. My God is bigger than that. And he loves me. He isn't just my God, but he is my Father. He is my Father. He is Abba Father. Come on. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is my provider. If I was in a full African-American church today, we wouldn't get out of here to two. Come on, somebody. I need somebody to help me in this house. Michael, if you've got to stand and jog to this front, brother, I need some help today in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the power of God. If it offends you, I'm not apologizing. I'm not going to apologize. It's what we need in the body of Christ. It's what we need in the church. I'm tired of feeling like somebody's going to be upset about the move of God. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Y'all sit down for a minute. I'm going to try to preach the rest of this. I got a few minutes to get done for the white folks. My brothers from another mother don't care. The people full of the Holy Ghost don't worry about the buffet. That's me and Michael and Sammy and Blake. Come on. we. Don't. <laughs> I'm teasing here, but hear me. I want you to hear something. I posted this the other day. Whether you read it or not, it's not valid. I'm not asking you whether you read it. I did it so I could go back and look at it. Pastor Ted, I have times it feels like I, I feel like something just, and I need to do that because I know I can go back and kind of look through that feed again and I can see. Listen to this. Problems can either be yours or God's, but they can't be both. I said problems, battles, whatever you want to call it, can either be yours or God's, but they can't be both. And it's time for us, look at this, to stop focusing on what's coming against us and look at the God who's coming for you. And sometimes you need to remind yourself of what God has done in the past for Grandpa, come on, for Daddy. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, my past hadn't been that. Well, I want to tell you something. Why don't you start today being the one who says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. My children are going to be in children's church. They're going to be in nursery. They're going to be everywhere they can be up in the church. We're going to be rooted and planted in the Word of God. And I'm going to raise up some children that are not just saved kids, but they're saved Holy Ghost world changers that's going to turn this world upside down. Listen to me, moms and dads. You're worried about your generation. You need to be concerned about your children. Children's generation. Amen. Let me go on. We need to pray that God give us a glimpse of the victories for the future. The enemy wants you to believe, look at this, that you are surrounded. There's a, there's a song that we sing that really brought this to my mind. But you need to remind him that it may look like you're surrounded by the enemy, but remember God's faithfulness and soon the angels of the Lord are going to surround me. There's a message all in that. 
Come on, there's a message all in that. And we can't preach this morning. Position yourself. That's what we're talking about on the promises of God or to God's promises because He alone has the power to deliver. You can't do it on your own. I'm preaching to you. Jeremy, you're a testimony. You are a testimony of a, at, at one time, for a long time, that I knew you longer than I knew you as married as a single parent dad who done everything he could to raise his children in the house of God, love them, care for them, and give them what they needed. My hat is off to you. My hat is off to you. My hat is off to every single parent mom, every single parent dad that has had to do that. You've had to raise your kids primarily on your own. You had to do what you had to do. But let me tell you something. There's some of you that just stands out to me really so much because you did everything you did to do. Hear me. I want to, I'm going to speak something here. You are not a failure. I don't care what them two do. Them three and four coming. You're not a failure. Come on, somebody. The enemy tried to tell me over what happened uh, just a few months back that I was a failure. Come on, somebody. He tried to remind me. But I'm going to tell you something. God's promise is going to come to pass. Oh, come on, somebody. God said he won't lie. I told God, I'm going to tell you something, Lord. I love you. But if I look bad, you're going to look bad in this. I'm going to preach and wipe snot while I'm doing it. I'm here to tell you that God cannot fail. He cannot fail. He cannot fail. Remind, remind yourself of his promises. Thirdly, let me share this with you and I'm almost through. I'm going to pray for you today. I know it's a few minutes till, but hear this. Verse 12. He said, oh, Lord, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against the mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. We are looking to you for help. That's what he said. That's what Jehoshaphat said. Standing in, You know what he did? He's the preacher, even though he's not the preacher. I'll just give it to you. He stood up with his whole church behind him. He's got Jerusalem and Judah. Come on, somebody. They're not divided because they're mad at each other. It's the way the kingdom has to be split with two, two kings. There's a lot that could be said about that. He stands up in front of the church in the temple and said, Lord, without you, none of us know what to do. We are powerless against these three that are coming in. Lord, listen to this. We could have handled it if there was only one who would have come in. But, God, there's three coming. And let me remind you, God, i got to preach this here. Let me remind you, Lord, that Moses tried to clean their clock, get rid of them years ago. Read your Bible. It's true. Come on, Brother David, help me here. Read your Bible. He tried to get rid of them, but you would not let him. Read what your Bible says. Because you said that Abraham was your friend. Goes all the way back to Esau. Oh my goodness! Yeah, read it for yourself. Goes all the way back because God made some promises that He wouldn't He wouldn't go back on. But listen, He wanted to show their faith. Somebody ought to say it was a setup. Come on, it was a setup. God wanted to get glory from it. He didn't want Israel to get glory from it. He didn't want Jehoshaphat to get a, a, a glory from it. He needed to get glory from. It. Thank you so much. Amen. He needed to get glory from it. Amen. And there's times in your life that you're not going to know what to do with what you're dealing with, but you need to remember this thing. The battle is not yours. It don't belong to you. It was never yours. It is spiritual, not physical. You are powerless to fight what is spiritual in the physical. 
Hear this. Ephesians 6.12, New Living Translation. For we are fighting against flesh. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You know what? The person sitting next to you, living in your house, driving your cars, eating your food, in this church, in another church, somewhere else, is not your enemy. Come on. You say, well, they're my kids and they're dealing with this. I'm telling you, they're not your enemy. They're my kids and they're doing this and they're, they're not your enemy. It is a spiritual battle. And when you know they're doing something wrong and you know they're not living for God, the way that you're going to be able to come against that is through prayer. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, if it's not flesh and blood, look at this. It says it's against evil rulers. That's one. It's against authorities. It's against unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. What I'm telling you is this. What we're fighting against is more spiritual than it's ever been physical. And when we fight from the physical, we feel like something's happening. If your character's being attacked, if somebody's saying something to you or against you, you feel like you've got you to reach out and try to help your honor in some way, defend your pride in some way. Listen to me. We lose those battles because we're trying to protect our pride instead of recognizing this battle don't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. Real short story. We're getting close. Several years ago, many years ago, I hadn't been here very long. Most of you don't even know, so it doesn't even matter. I had somebody that was faithfully reminding me of how young I was, how dumb I was, how much I did, how much lack of leadership that I had. You say, were they telling you that? They were. Some of them brazen enough to even stand up. I sat with someone I love very much so this week. I've known for close to 30 years. Not, not the pastor that was here, a friend. He's battling. His wife is battling right now. And I listened for two hours and cried. Went home crying. Because he's fighting a battle that unless God intervenes, he can't win. Hear me. I kept dealing with this, dealing with this. And I'm going to tell you something. My pride can only take so much. Brother Tagan, come up here. Brother Tagan's much bigger, and I don't mean by bigger as in more excess. I'm talking about he's broader through the shoulders than I am by quite a bit. He's got arms much bigger than mine. And if I need anybody fighting, I need him. And I need people like Brother Robert. Some of them, that they like Brother Robert's a teddy bear, but he'll scare people to death for sure. I love it when he rides with us on a motorcycle. Let me tell you something. I can take a lot. But when it comes against her, against my kids, you'll find me climbing up in a cave with a stick for a grizzly bear. If that's what I got to do, thank you. It don't matter how big they are. Because my pride, but this was against me. And I knew it was. Pastor Ted, I knew that what I was getting was, it was directed, it was personal against me. The hardest thing I had to do, Bethany will remember what I'm telling you, because I wouldn't hardly tell anybody. The Holy Spirit of God told me, don't you say a word. Don't, don't retaliate. Man, I wanted to. My pride was hurt. Come on, somebody. That's a lot of what it is. Our ego's been kicked against 
and I knew the Spirit of God was telling me, don't you say a word. And I did everything I could but bite the end of my tongue off and tried to keep myself under check and balance and listen to what the Lord was saying and would pray, my heavens, I would pray. My wife would tell you that where Sammy and Angela now live in that part of that front room, I wore out a couch in there praying at the front of it, asking God to help me because I believed that he'd sent me. Hear what I'm about to tell you. If the battle's too big for you, it belongs to the Lord, not you. If the battle belongs to the Lord, then you need to take it to the Lord, live like it belongs to the Lord, give the battle back to the Lord, and stop worrying about it. That's a lot. I know. I gave it to you there. There's one thing I've learned as we're getting ready to close. Worry cannot change the past, control the future. Worry only messes up the present. What what am I going to do? The first thing you do is you seek the Lord. The first thing you do is seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Then position yourself before the Lord for His promises. Remind God of what He said. Remind Him. And there's one other thing that I feel like as we close this out today, I feel like that we need to hear is praise Him for the victory. Even if you're in the middle of it, and that's hard. Won't you stand with me? We're going to close here. Guys, I know there's some other verses up there. If you'll give me 17 and 18, if we can, or the two next scriptures, I want to read these to you. But you will not even, look at this, you will not even need to fight. You got that? You don't need to fight. Look at this. Take your position. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. That's pretty good, ain't it? He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out against them. Tomorrow, look at this, he says it again. What is it? For the Lord is with you. Go to verse 18. This is the part I really like. Then King Jehoshaphat, he bows down before the Lord. Come on, somebody. He gets low with his face to the ground. Why? Because he's in awe of who God is. He's saying, God, I know that you've just given me a word. And my next position is the most important of all of this. I prayed. I tried to get myself where you said to be. But look at this. The next thing he did, he said he worshiped the Lord. And that almost seems silly to a lot of people. But the truth of it is, it's the right thing to do. You can stand and worry about it and ain't going to fix it. You can stand and worry all day long and only give yourself more ulcers. Or you can say, God, this ain't mine. Not this time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my goodness. Spirit of God, we need you. We need you, Lord. We need you in this house. If you in this house this morning, I, I just, I need to share. Somebody, and it may be just one or two, but it may be a many, maybe several. That you have come up on something has really come to you. And you've really been trying to figure it out. But you feel like the enemy has sideswiped you. He come from the back. You weren't expecting it. You're dealing with a battle that you're really not even sure which direction, where to go, what to do. And this word spoke to you today. And you say, Pastor, if I could just have you pray for me. I want you to just, I, I, I want you to don't hesitate one bit. Get out of your 